I'm Jack, your host, and this is the Right in the Fields podcast. Whether you're a guy trying to figure out your feels in this crazy, crazy world, or you're a woman trying to solve the puzzle of why men think the way they do, well, this show is for you. We are live. The mic is on. This is the Right in the Fields experience, and I am your man feels guide and connoisseur. All right, it's a bit disingenuous to call myself a connoisseur or expert when it comes to emotions, especially emotions for all of man. I'm still working on being the expert of my own emotions. But if you were hoping to decode the male mind, and I'm a male with a mind, then let's start right here. So right here we are, you and I, yet again, trying to get more in tune with all our inner workings, which is what right in the feels experience is there are no right answers so throw out that test that ugly dreaded scantron where when you don't know the answer you really just want to mark c i'm not the only one right and the pressure of needing to figure out the right answers don't exist there are just questions that lead to reflections that lead to more questions that lead to more reflections that lead to some answers revelations epiphanies and finally growth which drumroll ends with graduating with a double E major. And I am not talking about electrical engineering. I'm talking about empathy and enlightenment. Any and all ages are welcome. Your enrollment is free. Your tuition is paid for. I won't rob you blind and put you into debt, just like the education system in the US. We are at the heart of the holiday season. For those that celebrated Thanksgiving, I hope yours was filled with family, food, friends, and love. Now that we are in December, holy crap, where did 2021 go? Where did 2020 go for that matter? This pandemic has time warped our minds or just time warped the universe itself. And Christmas is right at our doorsteps. Finally, let's queue up Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You and put that jam on repeat. As we are at the heart of the holiday season, you would think and want it to be fun filled with love and happiness. But I know that's not always the case. For a lot of you, as it is and definitely has been in the past, especially for myself, the holidays can bring upon a lot of mixed emotions. This mixed bag of emotions really is why I want to record this episode today. There will be some trigger warnings of suicide and depression that I want to mention beforehand. But I hope by the end, if you are still listening, this brings some light to the darkness, some clarity in the fog. And that fog in life can be so thick sometimes, and we feel like lost ships looking for that lighthouse. For men out there, and women also, have you felt inwardly alone, lost, in pain, in this overwhelming unknown darkness, a black mass in your heart and mind? Speaking from a male perspective, I know many men that have mentioned this darkness they have, that same darkness I have felt and permeated in my soul and mind. This is the very topic I want to talk about today. Men in pain. And not to be exclusive, just people in pain. I'm sure many women have heard out there from a male in their life, whether it be from a friend, family, acquaintance even, and especially a significant other, say, I'm not a good guy. I'm not that nice guy you think I am. Or just express in so many words, usually not many, they are enveloped with some kind of turmoil inside but unable to express and explain it. 
This is where the darkness resides. It's a disconnect within us that forms sometimes between perception and reality. From what you perceive you should feel, but actually feel. Who you should be versus who you want to be and are. A past that haunts you, that seems to dictate and control your future. Or more poignantly, the misalignment of our emotional state, which most of the time starts with not being understood. This is all a symptom of suppressed and repressed emotion. The inability to process then express your current and past state of mind. It is what I have described as my darkness, a black hole that sucks into its vortex my self-confidence, self-belief, ability to think positively about the world and people, and self-worth. It's what created a spiral of loneliness for myself that led to an undiagnosed depression. No matter how I presented myself outwardly to others, especially on social media, which now is the ultimate tool to build a facade, I felt this darkness and isolation. The stronger the mask I tried to develop, the deeper the darkness became. The mask is partly there to fool others, but it's mostly designed to deceive and hide an unresolved pain inside that is sourced from trauma. A pain when unearthed without the proper tools and outlook can lead to a self-destructive state. I can still recall telling Christine, my lovely fiance, and even before Christine with people in my life that perceived me as a nice guy, that I really am not as nice as you think. I felt my thoughts and past actions were not deserving of others' perception of nicety. In that sense, I felt like a phony, that I knew a truth about myself that others didn't because I had trained and conditioned myself to form this image for public consumption and perception. It becomes a prison in that darkness, that black mass. So where did this all stem from? Where might the darkness begin to form and how does it become so big and such a beast? How can we unravel what many deem as darkness, which is internal emotional turmoil, unresolved emotional trauma? I want to give some staggering statistics why men in pain is a huge issue. Nearly 1 in 10 men experience depression and anxiety. According to a poll of 21,000 American men by researchers at the National Center for Health Statistics, nearly 1 in 10 men reported experiencing some form of depression or anxiety but less than half sought treatment. Men die by suicide 3.5 times more often than women. Men experience a higher rate of suicide than women. Depression, when left untreated, can in some cases reach a crisis point of suicidal contemplation. With so few men reaching out for help and support and instead suffering in silence, this may be one reason why men face a higher suicide rate. About six of every 10 men experience at least one trauma in their life. Men are more likely to experience trauma related to accidents, physical assault, combat, disaster, or to witness death or injury. 49% of men feel more depressed than they admit to the people in their life. A Today Show commissioned a survey of more than a thousand men and revealed the truth that many assume. Men are just much less likely to voice struggles with mental health and even thoughts of suicide. That's staggering. I will raise my hand to start to talk about my journey as a man and depression. This will be quite a difficult thing to talk about because if you are going to talk about men and unresolved emotional turmoil and examine the darkness of men, it will take a lot of digging and going to places most of us don't want to go, let alone shine a light and expose it for the world to see. As an Asian man, I've struggled mightily to understand the depths of my emotions and feelings. I fought 
and Claude to understand my place in my family, a child of strict immigrant tiger parents, and live most of, if not all, my childhood without my dad around. Also confused to where I belong in my community as an Asian American boy looking for role models and validation in culture and society that emasculates Asian men, and most of all, lost within myself, not feeling safe to express myself emotionally and live freely in that expression without judgment because from what I absorbed in my family, community, through media, and culture around me, to be a man is to live by a certain edict and a box of rules. To be a man is to be strong, a rock, impenetrable, in control of my emotions, stoic, which is all to say suppress and repress those feels because to let it go is the opposite of control. When we talk about men in darkness, we are shining the light on the conversation and topic of men and their mental health. Before I get ahead of myself, I want to backtrack a little. My darkness, as I will describe, started long before I reached adulthood, and I developed gradually as I was young and unconscious of it. It was not until much, much later that I began to become aware of it, and I only became aware of it because no amount of denial or hiding was strong enough to shield and mask. The destruction was mostly inward and leaked outward slowly until it poured into all aspects of my life, forcing me to face it and come to a crossroads. As I mentioned earlier, I have what many Asian Americans of immigrant parents can relate to, tiger parents. When I say tiger parents, those that are in the know, it probably brings in a wave of triggers. One of those triggers is linked to worth and validation tied to academic performance and accomplishment. I was in that boat, always lost at sea, never feeling I could dock it because my performance was never good enough. And when it was, it was fleeting and momentary. The instability in that was a layer of turmoil as I felt as a child. This, of course, is compounded by the fact that many men feel that their worth is also tied to performance as society dictated by men have determined. I can distinctly recall always feeling such lows of being a disappointment and never ever feeling good enough, a hopeless feeling. In that, I developed the skills to try to hide my imperfections of performance. If I got bad grades, I would first try to hide my report card, and then I graduated to trying to alter it. Sneaky and conniving Jack was a thing. The aspect of hiding is something that has haunted me. Even more extreme when I was in high school and I didn't test into my honors in math class, I felt so much shame because of the unrealistic standards bestowed on me that for my Algebra 2 class, I decided not to go at all. I am in many ways embarrassed to admit that I spent a whole semester in high school. Instead of going to class, I went to the bathroom and sat in a stall for the whole period, for a whole semester, every freaking day. That's the level of extreme I reached to how I was unable to process my shame and guilt. So let's shine a light to it. Shame and guilt loves the darkness. It thrives and grows in darkness. It's a part of the beast and the monster of our minds. Moving to another aspect of being Asian and having tiger parents is emotional support or lack of. If you have listened to this podcast before, the theme of it is feels, of course, but more in depth is the development of a safe space in the mind to explore your emotions freely. It's a process of thought that takes years to develop in understanding why we have the emotions and feelings we do, which then dictate our choices and actions. Let's be absolutely honest. 
if we were talking about immigrant parents that largely come from an Eastern upbringing and Eastern philosophies, the idea of mental health and Western psychology just don't really exist. How many of us have been in a family that gets into arguments and the only resolution or lack of resolution is not an apology or conversation trying to get to the root of the issue, but instead it's let's ignore this completely. Just have a meal together. All is forgiven. All is good in the hood. I think not. My memory is fuzzy, but my volatile dad once blew up in the most epic way. And hours later, when I was in my room, he brought chicken strips. It was his sorry, which I have never ever heard him verbalize. I'm sorry. Who says that in an Asian family? I was and am a product of that environment. I see the damage it has done not just to me, but my sister and my mom and dad because they themselves were raised in that environment. It really is what generational trauma becomes. As much as we pass down knowledge and resources of education that lead to financial stability, the same goes for mental health. The ability to pass down skills in processing our emotions, creating safe spaces, and communicating vulnerabilities is all knowledge and information that needs to be cultivated and instilled. With that said, my childhood did not have any, if much, of that cultivation. I was completely lost. All I learned was coping and survival tools from what I saw of my parents, which is a lot of fighting, chaos, and a lack of communication. Hence, why I would hide in a bathroom for a whole semester instead of going to my mom and telling her the guilt and shame I was feeling and trusting that we could work through it. Oh, to update the story, of course, at some point, the school found out and I was whisked to the counselor's office with my mom right away. Everybody was in utter shock. And the solution and chance I got, because there was so much confusion, is that I got to take a test and whatever I got on the test would be my grade for that semester. And I was ordered to show up to class for the whole next semester. Luckily, I was a decently smart kid. This very lack of emotional safe space is where the darkness resides for men, and of course beyond men, but for women, humanity. This is a universal language of not feeling safe and being in turmoil. But for the purpose of this episode, I am sharing my experience growing up to be a man in pain. Why are men lost? Why are men lonely? Why are men in pain? Why do men feel this darkness? especially if you look at their lives and they might be surrounded by family, friends, and be very accomplished, even a significant other, yet still feel isolation. This is the heart of it all. As a boy, being lost, feeling lonely, dealing with pain that leads to darkness was all for me, but needing to have a tough exterior was priority. To develop this invisible armor was the coping mechanism to survive amongst other boys that grow to be men. You never wanted to be that odd one out, the weak one. To express emotions was to risk judgment and not wear that armor. So the escape should be safety at home, right? Home is supposed to be a safe haven. But what if you didn't have that safety at home? What if your parents, those tiger parents, couldn't give you that safety? What if you had a dad or didn't have a dad around that could show you a pathway to relieve you of this facade little boys begin to build? And what ends up happening is your parents actually reinforce it. That's the story of my life. A lost boy, a sad boy, an angry boy, a destructive boy externally and internally. My dad was strict and I can say with confidence and without restraint that in standards we look at today, he was definitely physically and emotionally abusive. The highs were high and the lows were low and his absence created a lot of longing. But as a child, I always thought there was a grand plan 
a purpose and reason to it all, abuse or not. He made those sacrifices by living far away and giving me beatings because his love for us, for me, was that deep, which I'm sure maybe in some ways is true. I held on to that belief that when he told me as a young boy that when he was away, that I was the guardian instead of his place, that I could hold this shield for him and ward off the evils to, of the world to protect my sister and mom. It hurts me to say this. It brings tears to my eyes, almost. It's a burden at the time I viewed it as a burden that I was not prepared for. I took it very seriously and still do until this day. I am that protector. I will become the provider just as many men do, because it is my destiny to follow the footsteps of my father. What broke me was not all the beatings, because I always believed that made me tougher, just like dad. It would make me impervious to pain. It would make me a warrior, because he always said life is tough. It was when I found out my dad cheated on my mom. What I held on as a naive child was this was all for a reason, and above all else, my dad was the ultimate protector and I would only wear the armor when he wasn't here. This all came crashing down. He failed to protect, and instead he became the destroyer. My belief in his character and ethics all fell into shambles, and in that reflection of myself, through him was left in shambles too. All the feelings of being lost because of not having the emotional support and guidance at home was only amplified a thousandfold. The darkness grew exponentially, and in that darkness, Anger and pessimism to life reverberated resoundly. It threw me into chaos. For those that believe in purpose, destiny, fate, karma, spirituality, a rhyme and reason to life events, I believe the exact opposite. Life is just chaos, a random set of events, and we all suffer or become victims to it. I fought my dad like Luke Skywalker fought Darth Vader. He was that figure that became Darth Vader in my life. Compounded in all of that, life was not panning out as it should be. I didn't get into the college I was hoping to get into, and I had decided on going to a community college instead. Coming from a city, culture, and community like Arcadia, majority Asians, going to community college was a scarlet letter A. This all brought even more shame into my life. I was completely ill-equipped to handle any of these obstacles. My family was in shambles. My mom and dad went to war. My structure of belief was tattered. My dad, who I viewed as a flawed hero, became a complete villain as the obvious person to blame for why I had this wreckage. There were no apologies given or words and gestures that showed contriteness or remorse, and still none in sight. So the darkness only spread. It spread so much that I became enveloped in the black mass, and my mind was suffering because I couldn't cope. It was then, at the age of 19, that I first thought of committing suicide. In the beginning, the initial thought was that if I didn't exist, then I wouldn't need to feel this pain. The next stream of thoughts that stick with me today was how I would do it. I contemplated and visualized a variety of ways that I won't elaborate on, but the most vivid memory I have was a day when I left class and I drove right to a busy intersection. In me, I felt the sudden urge and visualized driving into the busy intersection and let the cars colliding be the determination of my life. It's a terribly irresponsible way to think as it would risk hurting other people, but it was just a representation of the bottom and low of my life, the inability to cope and see past my pain. I sat there sobbing in my car and reached for my phone and dialed up my mom. I didn't say a thing, just sniffled and cried 
She told me to drive home immediately, and I did just that. When I arrived home, there weren't many questions asked or conversation that happened. My mom just gave me a hug that did not happen often and told me to go rest. The pain was there, and I became fully aware how deep it was as I broke down. With that realization, I coped even further by trying to bury it deeper. But there is a power in talking about it right now. This is something I never dreamed of saying out loud. In fact, most recently I told my sister years later, and we shared tears together. Not long after this incident took place, as I was being more skillful at bearing the pain, the byproduct of this bearing is running away from it. Figuratively and most literally, I ran away from home. I didn't say a thing, grabbed and packed my stuff and left, moving from Southern California to Northern California. I didn't pick up my phone for weeks and months. I got the most heartbreaking voicemails that started with anger at why I would do such a thing, but in time turned to desperation from my sister, my mom, even my aunties and my grandma in Taiwan, just asking me to call back and confirm I'm okay. My two friends that were bad influences, one is named guilt and the other shame, just would not let me go. Yes, I did eventually reach out to my mom and sister, but I was not coming back. I needed to stay running away. I buried myself in an unhealthy relationship, which I was a big part of, and also developed a gambling addiction and got into physical fights. This is why I can say from deep personal experience that I understand how trauma, a depressive state, can lead to so many destructive behaviors and at the same time continue to be high-functioning. I still went to college and maintained friendships with friends. They knew only a fraction, if at all, of what was going on with my mental welfare and damaging behaviors. It definitely seeped out, but I tried my best to exercise control of others' perception of me. If I could not face or have an internal dialogue about my emotional baggage and turmoil, I was definitely not going to do it with others. This becomes what I alluded to earlier, about the disconnect that is harvested into the darkness we feel, the presentation of appearance we show to the outside world versus the reality of the unrest we have inside, the role and act we begin to play masterfully in the Broadway play of life. I stayed away from my family and did not speak to my Darth Vader dad for five years, which brings me back to the holidays and mixed emotions. For those five years, I did not return home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. It was a very lonely time with the backdrop of what Thanksgiving and Christmas should mean, which is to be around family, no matter how awkward or troubling it is, as family drama and dynamics are easily brushed under the rug, the Asian way of to deal with things. When reflecting back, it seems like a strange haze now, but without getting into all the nuances, we are at the story arc where you got a young adult, me, having thought of suicide, run away from home, disconnected from family, feeling betrayed, and his moral and belief structure damaged by a father that refuses to express remorse, faking it to the world that things are okay when it's not, with a gambling addiction and toxic behavior seeping into a romantic relationship that was not healthy for both sides. Anger spilled over to getting into physical altercations and not having a real regard for my own bodily safety. What path does he take now? The fork in the road to continue the destructive behavior or choose the road not traveled yet. None of this is glamorous. None of these stories truly are, as I never wish to glorify it when we talk about human trauma. It's easy to paint it as such when the end result is some kind of healing or epiphany, but the path is littered with strife, pain, darkness, and hard lessons. But 
all of them usually have some sort of awakening if we talk about healing from darkness. Mine came not in a positive light. It came on a fateful day when I was driving back to my apartment with my ex-girlfriend. I had been going back and forth with a car driving ahead of me in a fit of road rage as either he or I cut each other off. I can't remember now. He braked hard in front of me and came to a complete stop. I put my car in park and I got out to confront him. And I kid you not, a man seemingly twice my size got out of the car. I walked up to him screaming a bunch of stuff that is inconsequential and he yelled back, I got a gun in my car and I'm going to kill you. My response to him was, do it. Just do it then. Stop talking and do it. If you're going to say it, then do it. He said I was crazy and a bunch of obscenities and we both got into our cars and drove off. My ex-girlfriend was furious and said in so many words that had put her life in danger. In my triggered state, I defended myself vehemently, putting it onto the other crazy person, how he was the one that threatened to even kill me over what. How absurd it was to kill somebody over road rage and that I can live with whatever happened. Problem being that it was my decision that could have had an effect on somebody I care about and even endangered their well-being. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I woke up. It was my awakening. Like a montage scene in a movie except instead of all the romantic moments, I reflected back on all the toxic ones. I had no idea how I would do it, but I needed to get better as this was not only sustainable for my own health and safety, but I saw how the pain I felt was inflicted on me, I was inflicting on others that I refused to take responsibility for. I sought to isolate myself in fear, and based out of fear that as long as I severed myself emotionally and physically as best as I could to friends, my significant other, and most of all my family, they could not hurt me, and I could not hurt them. This connection is to suffer, to love is to suffer. Without that connection, we can't hurt each other. I can live in my own chaos, but chaos has no feelings. It doesn't discriminate on its damage. There was no separation, no matter how hard I tried. The pain was reverberating and culminating at an alarming rate that I was even risking harm on people I cared for. Things needed to start to change. The defiant willpower I developed in anger and sadness needed to shift. But how? Where could I even start? Nobody provided me with the blueprint. At the time, especially the conversation for mental health was non-existent in my life and environment. I didn't believe I had access to knowledge and resources. At the edge of this cliff, looking at the vastness of the ocean, the hectic and powerful waves below me crashing violently onto the rocky edges, this ocean is beautifully analogous of how we may look at life. There can be an overwhelming fearful thinking of its boundlessness that we can be swallowed and enveloped by its vastness leading us to think of how actually small we are, insignificant. But at the same time, it can inspire from the boundlessness and unknown that life is vast, full of endless possibilities that a mind is not supposed to comprehend and to be in the moment of such beauty is connecting to a consciousness that we share, that I share in a present moment. I am not insignificant, but just part of nature, which is significant. We can all be looking at the same beauty at the edge of this cliff, looking at the ocean, but come from different backgrounds, different life paths, different emotional makeups, but still be completely connected as these wavelengths are vibrations of human emotion that we can empathize and relate to. It'll never be perfect or completely aligned, but the concept exists. Not to get too vague with the ocean analogy, 
the awakening can be complicated, but it always boils down to something simple, a choice. On the day I had a visualization and urge to kill myself, I made the choice to call my mom. On the day I risked bodily health and endangered my ex-girlfriend, I made a choice to become aware of how my actions, behaviors, and pain were impacting myself and others. What does choice really mean? The belief in choices, power, and control, sure. Many times it's unconscious. We are always making choices. But the deepness of that choice goes beyond deciding what to eat, where to go to school, who to befriend, all the mundane choices we make in life. The choice I'm talking about is how to view life, how to think of ourselves, how we hope to impact others. I used to think this was the cheesiest motto to say, but when we look at a glass of wine or a cup of boba, let's Asianify this example, there can be two perspectives, glass half full and glass half empty, optimistic outlook versus pessimistic outlook. Viewing life events past, present, and future become completely dictated by this outlook, which really becomes our life philosophy. Our life philosophy dictates our destiny. This is the choice. Choice leads to how we show up in our lives and how our lives begin to impact others. Choice and consciousness synergize and it creates energy. Energy comes in so many forms. There's the spiritual energy and of course the physical energy. It's how when we meet somebody, we can feel if they carry negative energy or positive energy or traumatic energy, even if they don't say a word. They hold and carry it in their being. All of us will live and trauma comes with it. It will inexorably transform us and in an unconscious reactionary state, we develop beliefs and mindsets that hold us stuck to something we deem as the past. The power of choice best shows up with conscious thought. If I have lived a life of pain that caused me to look at this cup of boba milk tea half empty, is it possible to look at it as half full? And if I did start to look at it half full, what would change? As I'm sitting recording into this mic, I can say from my life as a man deeply in pain, things did change. When I started making conscious choices, it wasn't one choice that changed at all, but a culmination of many. I still made many wrong ones and reverted back to old behaviors and inflicted damage, but I opened myself up to spirituality. I embraced the teachings of Taoism. I sought different experiences like going to church, trying to understand Christianity, Catholicism, Buddhism, but not needing to dedicate myself to one, which all the power to somebody who does. I lived my life in the closed loop before based on fear, protection, and Honestly, ignorance, and slowly but surely I open the loop to get more feedback and learning. We can only learn and understand as much as we are hoping to seek. This is truly the blueprint of spirituality. How do we connect body, mind, and spirit? By learning. The darkness disconnects us from that connection and learning. It's why men feel this darkness, and much of the time it's a misalignment in mind and spirit, which is emotion. The question is how can men begin to connect to it? How does that alignment happen that leads to clarity? Clarity in turn is enlightenment and empathy. To reach clarity, we must reflect even in pain. That leads to questions. That leads to more reflections. That leads to more questions. And as we have questions, naturally we seek answers. And this is what the journey becomes. The truth is, when we imagine a better life, the imagination establishes the baseline of belief. And what we do with that belief becomes the choices we make. And the choices we make are the manifestation of the process of growth that is the journey to enlightenment and empathy. 
don't get it twisted. I don't believe I have reached some grand enlightenment. There have been moments of enlightenment, and it's not the end destination anyways. Those moments of clarity strung together are realizations that combat the darkness. As this episode is coming to a close, if there is skepticism or confusion, I get it. I was the biggest skeptic of all. How does this all connect? These concepts might feel all over the place, broad and amorphous. We got the topic of men in pain, people in pain. But for this example, let's visualize all our thoughts and past events in life as Lego pieces. They were designed to be connected if we choose so. All these Lego pieces are scattered on the ground. There's no organization and we're staring at a mess. It feels all random and chaotic. And that scares us and scared me. We don't have the sheet of instructions on how to build, which makes us feel lost. First, imagination, visualization, and a desire of something more, which we all can instinctively feel, settles in. Because unresolved pain, trauma, and depression is not our desired natural state. I felt this. I saw my life and wanted change because I didn't want to inflict more damage and pain to myself and most of all to others. I grabbed one of these pieces, in essence making the first choice to begin my journey of building. I had no idea what I was doing, but I grabbed another piece as I got inspired by Bruce Lee's teachings, Be Water, and connected the two pieces. Both pieces had at the core the desire to change my circumstances, my mindset, and my future. As I discovered more pieces and what they represented, like going to therapy, being a huge one that represented letting go of my own pride and realizing I needed help, professional help to grow. All these choices and pieces I was putting together slowly changed something inherently inside, and that was my outlook. In that, my perspective altered and shifted. This, in my opinion, is our greatest talent. It's absolutely magical. A Lego piece I looked at on the floor that I didn't want to touch that stood for an event in my past, like running away from home, the guilt and shame attached to it, leaving my sister and mom going against what I promised always to do, which was protect them. I now saw it was a mental health crisis in that I unconsciously needed to set a boundary. This shift of how I saw past traumatic events turned this Lego piece into a building block connected to all the others of growth. How do I now consciously set healthy boundaries instead of reactionary ones. This growth in mindset illustrated how we view past things can all be altered by perspective and framed to a build. A bad breakup that hurt deeply is actually an event that needed to happen so that you could be in a healthier relationship, one that uplifts you or make a self-realization and growth that makes you a better person for yourself. As we connect all these Lego pieces with the help and inspiration of others along the way, as well, we are building a structure it begins to take form. There literally is nobody else that can have the same build. Its beauty is one of a kind. As we pull back now and start to become more focused on the bigger picture, the realization is we are building our home, all constructed in our minds. It doesn't need to be a finished product, but as we build, adding one piece to another, one choice to another, our perspective and mind is moving past pain and more to healing. Looking at life events as a bubble cup half full instead of half empty, we begin to create this home, which is a safe space. In this space, we can feel pain but react differently to it because we reflect on what we built and understand the journey that led us here. It is now I have begun to understand I am better equipped 
to handle and use the power of my mind to understand my emotions. This is my story. I wasn't taught how to build. I didn't believe I could. I doubted it all along the way, shed many tears and screamed into that darkness. But I'm here, right here with you because I chose it. None of this happened all at once and only in time, one Lego piece after another that I connected. Did I become a builder of my own safe place? This podcast is a representation of all those Lego pieces, once scattered, but now connected. I know, I truly believe to my core that we can build. We can each build this place called home, unique, special to each of us, but completely connected. Thank you for being here. This was a choice, our choice. Both you and I are empowered and connected by it. If you are in need of help, I implore you to reach out to me or somebody you feel safe with. If you think this episode could help somebody else, please share it. If you have time to help me build, please subscribe, rate, and review. Just like the ultimate holiday classic Mariah Carey song, all I want for Christmas is for you to feel safe. I hope this episode finds you well.